This is the widescreen podcast, show number 309. Uh, it is now the last of the year. It's December. Where the hell did the year go? I, I don't understand it. Wasn't it just January? I'd swear I, that we, we were just celebrating the 2023 coming in, and now it's almost gone. What the hell? I, I don't... Can somebody stop this, please? Maybe this is one of those things we talk about. You know, time seems to fly when you get older. Maybe? I don't need to be reminded of it this way. So, anyway, uh, yeah, some of you might have already noticed that something's a, a little bit amiss. Granted, with, with, with me, there's always... I'm, I'm very much amiss on a lot of things. But, uh, yeah, so something's a little bit off. And uh, it, it seems quite obvious what that might be. So, yeah, the show is is actually later than I want it to be. I know I say that every freaking month. But if I actually did the show when I wanted to do the show, my voice would have sounded significantly worse than this. A week and a half ago, my voice was more like this. And something tells me that even though my voice isn't great right now, um, I don't think you would have wanted to have listened to a podcast where my voice sounds a thousand times worse. So, yeah, I think that's a pretty good reason why, why the show is a little bit later, well, later than I want it to be. So, j- just, just so you're aware, as the show goes on, if uh, for some reason my voice just instantly clears up from one cut to another... Chances are it's the magic of editing or the magic of me hitting the pause button, coughing up whatever gunk is coating my vocal cords at the time, and then my voice will be a little bit clearer. Yeah, I don't know what it was. I get hit with something, and it started up in the sinuses, post-nasal drip, went down to my lungs, and I'm still... Well, that that infection is gone, but it's going to be a while before my voice is back to normal. Of course, me doing a podcast isn't exactly going to help. Me streaming isn't exactly going to help. I mean, right now I've only been talking for three... Not even three and a half minutes, and actually, hell, I'm less than that because of the music. So not even three minutes, and I can already feel my, my throat muscles are getting strained. I'm going to do the best that I can, obviously, but don't be surprised if throughout the podcast you hear multiple instances where my voice starts to get rougher and rougher, and then suddenly, miraculously, sounds a bit clearer. Well, that's a point where I simply hit pause or whatever. And gave my throat a rest. So just just, just want to make sure that you folks are all aware of that. But you know what? Stuff happens. It really could have been a lot worse. It, it's, it's been a long time since I've been really, truly sick. You know, fever, body aches, chills, all that stuff. The last few times I've gotten sick have pretty much been, been restricted to just sinus, throat, and chest. Just in a straight line. But not really an issue with um, with anything you know, like you know the flu. And I understand there's that joke about man flu, which basically means any man who feels weak because they got the sniffles. I get that. I uh, I'm fully aware of that, and I do my best not to uh, fit into that little stereotype. I'm just a bit too independent for that. So anyway, I don't want to be chattering too much on this podcast, regardless of of how many breaks I take. Because it's still going to be a lot of stress in my throat. That being said, there's lots of stuff to talk about. Obviously, one of the big things in the past few months is all of the, well, not a few months, past few years or so, is all of the content that has been taking off of various streaming services, whether it's, you know, movies or TV series or whatever. 
And there's been a lot of concern about those shows being completely removed for tax purposes. And there's been a lot of people complaining about, well, then why don't you license those to other services? Well, Disney CEO Bob Iger has come out and said that although the company will not chase bucks, as he says it, he does say that we're actually in discussion with Netflix now about some opportunities, but I wouldn't expect that we will license our core brands to them. Those are real, obviously competitive advantages for us and for differentiators. Okay, so, right, sure, I wouldn't expect Disney Plus to be you know, licensing off any of their Star Wars material, especially not the really popular ones. But they could be t you know, licensing off things that they've taken off the air, like the Willow series. Meanwhile, Warner Brothers Discovery CEO David Zaslav uh, has been marketing, or sorry, licensing uh, content such as Westworld and the Nevers to Tubi and Roku um, and Insecure and Dune to Netflix. So at least Warner Brothers Discovery is working to get some of those titles over to other streaming services. So if you have any Disney Plus materials that have been removed and you're hoping that they'll end up on other streaming services, looks like they're at least now talking about it. Although I don't know why it seems like they're just talking to Netflix. There are other services out there that I'm sure would be glad to license some of those properties, but it's better than just throwing them in the vault and ignoring them, which is something that Disney has historically done. If you do have any of those streaming services, particularly Paramount Plus, you might have noticed that they seem to be removing things as well and not even announcing it. Well, an audit was done of uh, Paramount Plus's library, and according to this, from October 2022 to October 2023, Paramount Plus has lost the most material off of its streaming services. Now, with respect to full-length movies, Paramount Plus now has 803 titles, which is less than half of the movies that it had available for streaming a year ago. Of course, they've reached out to Paramount Plus for comment, and Paramount Plus has not responded. You know, and once again, I'm this is... <laughs> I told you so. I'm not I'm just not going to sugarcoat it. I told you so. This is what happens when you put all of your eggs in the streaming basket and you don't own what it is that you want to watch. You're not paying even if you buy the material outright. You you don't own it. You are simply paying a perpetual license to view it. And that perpetual license can be revo revoked at any time. Now, I mean, with streaming, especially when Netflix was the big deal, they were subject to license agreements with other parties, and those license agreements would expire. But this is Paramount's own material, and they're removing it because, just because, I mean, I've talked at length about, from a technical perspective, why this is no big deal. It's a video file stored on a server somewhere, and when you go to watch that video, that video file is accessed and it is transmitted to you over the streaming service. So from a technological perspective, there's absolutely no reason why all of these movies and so forth need to be removed. They wouldn't even fill up a hard drive. Okay, maybe they'd fill up a single hard drive. There is no technological reason for these shows to be removed. They are not taking up a lot of space. Believe me, I have a Plex server that has got, it's got a whole ton of stuff on it. This is all about the money and it's all about not having to pay residuals. And, and this is why if you really want to own something that you will watch multiple times, your best bet is to buy the discs. That way you can store it. Or, I mean, if need be, BitTorrent, throw it on a Plex server. 
Not the ideal method, but if that's what you got to do, all right, so what? I mean, if these streaming services are going to remove the material so you can't view it anyway, it's no loss to them. Now, speaking of that, this is another huge I told you so, and we've seen this happen before. If you own a PlayStation and you purchased any, any discovery content, whether it's Mythbusters, Dirty Jobs, Naked and Afraid, Shark Week, Deadly Women, Naked and Afraid, whatever. If you purchased any discovery content through PlayStation, you are going to lose access to it as of January 1st, and Sony is under no obligation to refund you. The statement that Sony put out is, Due to our content licensing agreements with content providers, you will no longer be able to watch any of your previously recorded discovery content, and the content will be removed from your video library. So Sony has put out a list of everything that is being removed on December 31st. The list is massive. This would take pages. This is, this is, hold on, let me, let me actually try to pretend like I'm going to print this off and see how many pages it would Twenty eight pages now granted it's like double spaced and so forth but it is literally 28 pages of titles including all you know each individual season so i mean that's let's be fair here yeah that that's oh and that's not even that that's not fit to uh page width that's at a, a lower scale if i in, if i just set it to page width it would be 34 sheets of paper to print off all of the titles that you will no longer own if you bought them on PlayStation. It's, I mean, every season of How It's Made, uh, what are some of the, I'm just looking through some of them. How It's Made is gone. Gold Rush is going to, well, not, it will be gone. Gold Rush is going to go away. Uh, FBI Criminal Pursuit, Fast and Loud. Um, I'm sure Mythbusters is, is in there. It's basically everything that Discovery has licensed to Sony is being taken away. Uh, yep, there it is. All the Mythbusters, they're going away. Naked and Afraid is going away. NASA's Unexplained Files are going away. Pit Boss is going away. If you bought these thinking they were yours, yeah, forget it. They're not. And Sony is not under any obligation to refund you. And, of course, they're not going to let you download it. And, you know, I'm sorry. I know I sound like a broken record, but this is, this is why if, if buying it online... Even if you can get the discs used on eBay or Amazon or whatever, if you can get the discs with that, and, and they're going to be the same price or maybe even less than buying those same uh, TV series or, or movies or whatever on Amazon or PlayStation or wherever, at least you own the disc. But I mean, this this is one of those things where. I don't want to hear these studios complaining about people using BitTorrent anymore. All of the arguments about why you shouldn't use BitTorrent and it hurts people and blah, blah, well, you're taking the stuff out of people's libraries anyway. Put your pirate hat on, folks. It's, it, it's almost as though these studios want you to do that. Anyway, this isn't the first time we've talked about stuff being removed from people's libraries, uh, even though they quote-unquote paid for it, and it won't be the last time. Now, I said in the last episode, uh, I mentioned an article from the Digital Bits about how there is, there actually is demand for physical media 
There are several outlets that still sell physical media, whether it's records or CDs. God, even cassettes are being brought back, which is bizarre. I mean, as long as they don't bring 8-tracks back. Well, you know what? I take that back. They can bring 8-tracks back if people actually want to buy them. I'm not going to say, no, you can't have an 8-track because I think it's dumb. If you want to buy an 8-track, you go ahead and buy an 8-track. I will simply question your sanity. But, you know, this whole notion about how people don't like to buy movies on DVD or Blu-ray is nonsense because, and this is just one example, but this is a very big example, Universal Pictures actually is now working to replenish their out-of-stock Oppenheimer 4K Ultra HD discs uh, in time for Christmas because the majority of the stock from Best Buy and Amazon were sold out at pre-sale. Before the disc even came out, they were sold out. Universal Pictures, Best Buy, Amazon, they all underestimated the demand for Oppenheimer Ultra HD Blu-ray. And Universal actually put out a statement saying that they are working to replenish those retailers quickly so fans can watch the film at home in the best picture quality possible. Now, not surprisingly, uh, Christopher Nolan is very skeptical about streaming, and he has actually been very vocal in urging movie lovers to maintain a physical library of their, phys of their favorite films rather than relying on streaming. And he even told IGN recently, if you buy a 4K Ultra HD, you buy a Blu-ray. It's on your shelf. It's yours. No company is going to break into your house and take it from you and repossess it. It's yours, and you own it. That's never really the case with any form of digital distribution. I'm not going to go on my little hill that I'm going to die on that even discs are digital. But that's a different story. That's, that's a different story. And now, demand because of that, I mean, and granted, this is also fear, you know, FOMO, fear of missing out. Those discs that were sold out are now going on eBay, and they're fetching upwards of $200 a copy for a $38 title. Now, that's for the Best Buy. Best Buy has had that, that market for steelbook containers, which are super popular. So I guess I can't be surprised that prices for the steelbook are going from you know 150 to 200 The uh, What's called the Icon Edition that's sold at Walmart, which isn't quite as fancy, that was sold out. At its original $35 price, that can be found on eBay for about $60 or $65. So regardless, it's scalping. It's freaking scalping. And honestly, I don't, I don't care what it is. I don't care if it's a game console. I don't care if it's a disc. I don't care what it is. Please, please, please do not buy some from scalpers. Do not pay scalpers anything. All you're doing is justifying what they do, and they're going to keep on doing it in the future. Unfortunately, this past weekend was kind of a soft weekend. Uh, didn't make a whole lot of money, but uh, Miyazaki's The Boy and the Heron is the top-grossing movie of the weekend at $12 million. Hunger Games came in second place at $9 million. Godzilla Minus One, which I've heard is actually a very good movie, uh, even if you don't necessarily like Godzilla, which would account me, uh, $8.5 million. Uh, Trolls Band Together, $6 million. And Beyonce... She's definitely not, not making up to Taylor Swift. Uh, she came in at $5 million, total of $28 million domestically made there. Wish came in at number six. That is now officially being declared a box office bomb. Uh, so far, it has only made $106 million worldwide, but that's what the budget of estimated to be between $175 and $200 million. So, yeah, that one is unfortunately a failure. 
Meanwhile, other movies like Five Nights at Freddy's, which is, I mean, PG-13 horror movies have been doing very well lately. And uh, this is no exception. It, so far, it's made $288 million worldwide. Oppenheimer is still available theatrically, even though it's you know now available in, in streaming and physical form. Well, if you can find the physical form. But uh, it's still making money. $951 million worldwide. And Taylor Swift has absolutely been raking in a ridiculous amount of money. Uh, the Eras Tour has so far brought in $249 million globally. So even though Beyonce has not done all that well, certainly compared to Taylor Swift's, you can still, I think you'll still be able to expect more concert movies, which are actually listed as documentaries. I still think you're going to be able to see a lot more of these in the future, which is going to be kind of cool. Now, I know some of you might be thinking, well, now, wait a minute, John, Disney had more than just one box office bomb this year, and you're correct. Uh, the Marvels is going to be considered a box office bomb as well. That, so far, has only made $202 million worldwide uh, against a $220 million production budget, so it hasn't even gotten to that. It's nowhere close to breaking even. And that's actually... I have not yet seen it, but... Uh, you know, several people, several friends and co-workers who have seen it have said it's actually a really good movie and it should not be getting as as thrashed at the box office as it is. But unfortunately, the movie opened in uh, a new low for Marvel Studios. It's the weakest opening of any of the Marvel movies at 47 million. But we've talked on this before about how one of the big things that that studios will do to mark whether or not a uh, movie has longevity is to look at its second weekend and particularly its second weekend drop. If the second weekend has maybe a uh, 50 to 60 percent drop, that's not necessarily a bad thing. Uh, but the Marvels had a 78 percent drop. That is the uh, worst second weekend drop of all time for Marvel. So not only did it have the lowest uh, debut take at the box office it had the worst second weekend drop off now as to why there are a number of reasons why it could possibly be uh, the biggest theory that that has been going around is the granted it's still a theory it's not necessarily proven that superhero fatigue is a real thing we have been flooded with superhero movies for the past 15 years and it's not just disney dc is getting hit with that as well which is going to be a problem potentially because the new Aquaman movie is coming out the Flash didn't do well Blue Beetle didn't do well and the latest that I can find about Aquaman is although it's it's pre-sales it's ticket sales uh, so far have been a little bit higher than the Marvels it's still only on track to make about 32 and 42 million domestically on its opening weekend maybe taking in between 105 and 168 million that's quite a stretch um, when it's all said and done. Now, again, that's domestically, uh, but it's got a $205 million budget, so this movie has to make somewhere between six, eh, eh, maybe five to $600 million globally for it to be considered even a marginal success and to be able to be break-even. And it's not looking good. We're just going to have to wait and see what happens. I mean, I would, I would guess that superhero fatigue is probably going to be a serious thing until Deadpool 3. 
That would be my my guess as the next superhero movie that really does well because I mean it's it is a superhero movie, but at the same time it's not a superhero movie. You know, it's comedy first, action second, kind of sorta. Anyway, we'll just we'll just have to see what happens. Are you tired of this? Are, do you have superhero fatigue? Let me know. Podcast at widescreen.org. In other news, this is Spinal Tap is getting a sequel and filming is going to begin in February. Director and star Rob Reiner confirmed that the sequel will begin filming, saying that uh, we're going to start shooting at the end of February and everybody is back. And there's a, there's a stress on that one that everybody is back. So Christopher Guest, Michael McKean, Harry Shearer. But he also said that uh, he teased, anyway, that Paul McCartney, Elton John, Garth Brooks, and a few other surprises uh, would make cameos in the upcoming movie. So looking forward to that one. And as soon as I get a release date, probably 2025 would be my guess, mid to late 2025. Uh, I will I will let you know. So rumors have been swirling online for a while that Marvel Studios is developing a fifth Thor movie, but Taika Waititi himself has said that he will not be involved. Actually, he said, I wouldn't know if that's accurate. I know that I won't be involved. So it's still, I guess, it's on the rumor mill, but he is saying straight up, if it is going to happen, he's not going to be involved. He said, I am going to concentrate on these other films that I've signed up for. But one of those is a Star Wars movie that which he says uh, is still marinating but he has been writing it. But he does say that his next movie is going to be uh, Clara and the Sun. So it'll be a movie adaptation of the novel uh, which follows Clara, a robot designed to prevent loneliness among teenagers who tries to save a, save a group of humans she lives with from heartbreak. So he says that between Star Wars and between Clara and the Sun, that's six or seven years gone. And he would imagine that another Thor will be around sooner than that. So again, there's nothing solid that there's going to be another Thor movie. It's just in the rumor mill, but Taika Waititi is saying straight up, if there is another one, he won't be involved. Now here's one that's probably going to piss a lot of people off. Uh, again, this, this was announced earlier in November again. Sorry, as you can tell, my throat is still kind of not good. Um, but we've been criticizing, we being me, uh, criticizing David Zaslav for all of these things that he's been doing, uh, saying, no, that movie, we're not going even though it's it's been mostly made, we're going to get rid of it for, for a tax break. Well, he decided to do that also with the live-action animated hybrid Coyote versus Acme, which is, yes, Wild E. Coyote sues Acme products because none of their products work. So this is the third time that he's pulled the plug on a movie that's been greenlit by the previous Warner administration, with the other two being Batgirl and uh, Scoob Holiday Haunt. The difference with this is Coyote vs. Acme is completed. It's done. It's ready to go. And it's also received very good test scores from test screeners saying that it's actually 14 points higher than a normal family movie rates. So it has been getting superb results, and it's finished. It's done. But apparently they've decided that it's not worth the cost to release it theatrically, which I don't believe for a second, uh, but it's also not worth it to sell it to other buyers. So at one point it was dated for July 21st of this year, but then it got pulled. Now, if that has you angry, it should. In fact, it has a lot of people angry. Warner Brothers Discovery got such a thrashing on Twitter and within the Hollywood circles that they actually have reversed their decision. 
The studio will now allow director Dave Green to shop that to other potential buyers instead of shoving it for a tax write-off. So this is part of the rumor bill, rumor mill, but after the news broke, apparently several filmmakers instructed their representatives to cancel meetings that they had already had on the books with Warners, some claiming that they would never work for Warners again if this is allowed to go through. And I mean, just the combination of the fact that it's done with uh, the very high test scores that it got and sympathy for the director because the director moved away from his family and friends to London for 18 months in order to save the studio money. And then suddenly he's told, oh, yeah, well, we're not going to be releasing it at all. Now, the thing is, taking it for a tax write-off, it makes it look like they've earned more in that particular quarter than they really did. But, I mean, let's face it, this is Warner Brothers. They've got franchises that they're trying to maintain. You, you can't maintain a franchise if you're just axing properties from that franchise. And not only were creatives within Hollywood and fans were pissed off, Texas Congressman Joaquin Castro has slammed Warner Brothers Discovery for attempting to exit and take a $30 million write-off, saying that the Warner Brothers tactic of scrapping fully made films for tax breaks is, is predatory and anti-competitive. Now, one of the things that was also mentioned, whoops, one of the things that was also mentioned is that Warner Brothers really, they're not necessarily hurting because they made $1.4 billion with Barbie, and they made almost a billion dollars with Oppenheimer. Now, I mean, this is not the first time either. Castro was one of four lawmakers who called on the Justice Department to investigate the Batgirl cancellation, claiming that the merged company of, with Warner Brothers Discovery has harmed workers and reduced customer choice. Well, I don't know that removing a movie that supposedly wasn't all that great really warrants uh reduced customer choice technically that's correct but who knows so the latest that i had heard again this is all the rumor mill is that amazon is supposedly the top contender for this movie as of a few days ago as i record this paramount apple and amazon have all seen the movie apparently paramount has made a bid and it's possible if this rumor is correct that amazon sorry paramount might release it theatrically as well. So we'll see what happens. I would, I would love to see that movie. I've been a Looney Tunes fan all my life. The movie apparently has been doing very well. Like I said, in, in test screenings, it's actually fared better than average for you know, that kind of family fare. I want to see it. And uh, you know, we'll see what happens. So now that the, the uh, strikes have all ended, a lot of movies are getting their release dates pushed. So Venom 3 is going to be pushed back a little bit. It was initially set to be released on July 12th. That's now going to be released on November 8th. Uh, Deadpool 3 has also been pushed back. That's now going to open on July 26th instead of May 3rd. Captain America New World Order used to be on July 26th. That's now going to be pushed to February 14th of 2025. Marvel's anti-hero movie Thunderbolts uh, has been moved to July 25th of 2025, being pushed back from December 20th of next year. Uh, Blade, starring Mahershal Ali, uh, has been delayed. That was going to be released on November 7th. Oh, no, I'm sorry. That was supposed to be February 14th of 2025. That's now going to be November 7th of 2025. And Disney has pushed Mufasa the Lion King 
from July 5th of next year to December 20th of next year. Now, I mean, most or all of those release date changes have have been because of the strikes, but we've also not been able to watch several movies theatrically because of the pandemic when Disney decided, hey, we're going to take these movies that were going to be shown theatrically and we're going to push them to streaming, which in some cases even uh, brought the ire of the people who made those movies, such as Pixar. In a very intriguing move, Disney has decided that three Pixar movies that were originally pulled from theaters are now going to be shown theatrically. So, Soul from 2020, Luca from 2021, and Turning Red from 2022 were all pushed to Disney Plus from the pandemic. Uh, and that all of those are from Pixar, and Pixar got a little bit annoyed by that. They were quite public about that. But the press release for this uh, actually says that moviegoers are now going to be able to experience three Pixar films the way they were meant to be seen. Well, if that's the case, why weren't they released theatrically originally? Now, they're not going to be taken off of Disney+. Plus. They're, going to be sh- they're still going to be available on Disney+, Plus, but now you'll be able to see those movies theatrically. Uh, Soul will be opening up on January 12th. Turning Red will be opening up on February 9th. And Luca will be opening up on March 22nd. Tickets go on sale on January 2nd. And all of these are meant to proceed uh, Inside Out 2, which comes into theaters on June 14th. And speaking of which, there is a new teaser trailer out. Not really worth playing on an audio-only podcast, but there is one part that is very relevant. Orange? Who made the console orange? Do I look orange? I didn't touch it. Orange is not my color. Not me. Hello! Ah! Oh my gosh, I'm anxiety. Where can I put my stuff? A new emotion! Wow! Oh, I'm sorry! We wanted to make such a good first impression. Uh, what do you mean, we? Oh yeah, so that, uh, that, that puberty light that was installed at the end of the first movie, yeah, it starts going off. Anyway, I will have a link in the show notes to that if you have not already seen it. A lot of other movies have had their release dates announced, so Tim Burton has wrapped up production on Beetlejuice 2, which is not really surprising because it only had two days left of shooting when the SAG-AFTRA strikes happened. So it would appear that Warner Brothers is looking to have a release date of September 6, 2024 for that. It does reunite Michael Keaton, Winona Ryder, and Catherine O'Hara, but now it's bringing in Jenny Ortega, Willem Dafoe, Monica Bellucci, and Justin Thoreau. Uh, Dune has actually had its Part 2 release date moved up. It was to open on March 15th of next year. It will now open on March 1st. The Fall Guy, which I honestly didn't even know was a thing. Um, And yes, if you're an old fart like me, we are talking about Colt Seavers, the stuntman that was originally played by Lee Majors in the TV series. Yeah, it's now becoming a movie. It's going to star Ryan Gosling, and it's going to hit theaters on March... Sorry, it was supposed to hit theaters on March 1st, it's now being pushed back to May 3rd. But that now also means it's going to be the first uh, movie of the summer box office, which is now looking lighter than normal because of the actor's strike, so that might actually turn out to be a good thing for it. The prequel to The Omen, called First Omen, is now going to be set... Well, it, it was on hold for April 5th anyway, and Disney has now confirmed that that will be the release date. And in this prequel, an American woman is sent to Rome to begin a life of service to the church, but she encounters a darkness that causes her to question her own faith and uncovers a terrifying conspiracy 
that hopes to bring about the birth of evil incarnate. Well, hopes? I mean, you know, it's a prequel, so spoiler alert, it does. Lionsgate has announced two sequels to its various franchises. It now has a date set for Saw 11, uh, that is going to be on September 27th, 2024. Yeah, there have been 11 Saw movies. Uh, an 11th one wasn't too surprising because the 10th one was actually a surprise hit. It earned more than $107 million globally on a $13 million budget. So yeah, that was a profit maker for them. But they have also greenlit a third installment for the Now You See Me movie franchise. The, the series centers on an Ocean Eleven-style group of mastermind criminals, with the twist being that its anti-heroes use sleight of hand and stage magic to uh, perform their, their criminal activities. So the first one, $75 million budget, went on to make $351 million worldwide. The second one had a budget of about $120 million, but still went on to make $334 million. So yes, both of them were definitely... Um, Box office success. <laughs> Jesus. Box office successes. So it's no real surprise that a third one has been announced. So all we have is that Venom director Ruben Fleischer will be helming this one. Uh, they are calling it a reimagining. What the frick is a reimagining? Well, anyway, uh, there is no release date yet, but of course, when one is announced, I will let you know. Ryan O'Neill, who had a string of successful movies in the 1970s, has died. He was diagnosed with chronic leukemia back in 2001 and then prostate cancer in 2012. He starred in a number of movies, including What's Up Doc with Barbra Streisand in 72 the, and again with Barbra Streisand in 1979 in the main event, Stanley Kubrick's Barry Lyndon in 1975, as well as his follow-up to A Clockwork Orange called Nickelodeon in 1976. The Thief Who Came to Dinner, A Bridge Too Far, Irreconcilable Differences, a large number of movies. He's also known for Paper Moon, in which he's portrayed a good-natured con artist starring his daughter Tatum O'Neill, who was nine years old at the time, and became the youngest winner of a competitive Oscar, taking home the Best Supporting Actress prize. But he is probably best known for his Oscar-nominated role in the tearjerker movie Love Story, where he played a college kid from a wealthy family who sacrifices his riches as he falls for Ellen McGraw's character Jenny who uh, was a wisecracking working-class girl, and he had to watch her agonizingly succumb to a rare blood disease. Ryan O'Neill was 82. Roger Castle has died. Now, you probably don't know that name, but you definitely know his work. Two of them, in particular. Uh, one is with a particular shark coming up from underneath to chomp on a swimmer who is swimming on the surface of the water. That, of course, is Jaws which he actually painted for the paperback release, but Steven Spielberg loved it so much that he hired him to make the movie poster, which was pretty much the same thing for his 1975 release of Jaws. But I can just about guarantee that you know his other big work, which is the Gone with the Wind-inspired version of Empire Strikes Back. You know the one, the one with Han and Leia just bent over looking at each other on the right-hand side of the poster? I know Drew Struzan is really known for doing a lot of movie posters, but that one probably is just about as iconic as any other Star Wars movie poster out there. But he also designed some other posters, including 1967's Dr. Faustus, as well as 1978's The Great Train Robbery. Roger Castell was 92. And finally, Norman Lear has died. Norman Lear is mostly known for his vast amount of TV work, 
as the writer and producer for such classics as All in the Family, Maud, Good Times, The Jeffersons, Sanford and Son, One Way at a, One Day at a Time, and many other TV comedies. But he also did screenwriting for the big screen, including Neil Simon's Come Blow Your Horn, starring Frank Sinatra. He also received an Oscar screenplay nomination for Divorce American Style. And he co-wrote and produced uh, The Night They Raided Minsky's from 1968, which at the time was the most expensive movie to be made in New York City. And later on, he provided the funding for such amazing films that we all heard of, such as This Is Spinal Tap, Fried Green Tomatoes, and our very beloved The Princess Bride. Norman Lear was 101. With all the bad news going on regarding superhero movies as of late, you can add yet another one. Uh, Avengers The Kang Dynasty loses its director, Destin Daniel Cretton. One of the factors that forced him to leave the project is, well, the, the shifting release dates because of the various strikes that were going on. So Kang Dynasty was set to open in May of 2025. It's now been pushed back to 2026. So Cretton, who directed Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, is now going to be focusing on developing a sequel for that film. Let's hope that superhero fatigue is a little bit lessened by the time that movie comes out. Also coming from Disney, Bob Iger has confirmed that there might be a Frozen 4 in the works alongside Frozen 3. He did say straight up, Frozen 3 is in the works and there might be a Frozen 4 in the works too. I don't have much to say about those films right now, but Jen Lee, who created the original Frozen and Frozen 2, is hard at work with her team at Disney Animation on not one, but actually two stories. I mean, Frozen 3 is not a surprise. I mean, Bob Iger announced that back in February um, with Toy Story 5 and Zootopia 2. But there are no other details, so we'll just have to see what happens with that. And if you're tired of Frozen, just let it go. Okay, just, I know, you want to punch me through the... <laughs> you just want to punch me right through however you're listening to this right now. Oh, well. You, you know I, I had to do it. You know I had to do it. Uh, I see. Jackie Chan and Ralph Macchio, both of whom starred in Karate Kid movies are set to reprise their characters in another Karate Kid movie. Jonathan Entwistle is on board to direct. Uh, right now, it doesn't have a, an official name, but the studio, and I don't understand this one, the studio is positioning this as the fusing and continuing of the original Karate Kid mythology. Fusing? I... Okay. I mean, I guess I kind of get it. They were two separate... They were two completely separate movies. Jackie Chan was in the awful remake that starred Jaden Smith because, you know, Will Smith had to try to force his kids into movies, so there's that. But uh, whatever. Okay, so a global search for an actor to play the title character has been launched, and all that's known is that this new movie will bring the story to the East Coast and focus on a teen from China who finds strength and direction via, mar via martial arts and a tough but wise mentor. So, as it stands right now, Sony has penciled in a release date of December 13th of next year. I mean, I guess it's not a movie that requires a bunch of CGI or post-production, so that, that's understandable, I guess. Anyway, I will let you know as soon as I find out any more on that one. A little bit from the gaming arena here, Death Stranding now has a live-action movie in the works. A24 has uh, teamed up with Kojima Productions to bring this, and, and I'll say it, I'll say it, very bizarre game to the movie screen. Now, don't get me wrong. Anybody who knows about Hideo Kojima knows that those are those are his games. They're out there, and they're strange sometimes. This is no different. So the game has sold 16 million copies since it first came out. Uh, it starred Norman Reedus, Mads Mikkelsen, Guillermo del Toro, 
uh, and Lindsay Wagner, which means something to us older farts. And uh, so, so, challenge to navigate a fractured world, torn asunder by cataclysm. Players, whoops, good. Players take on the role of Sam Porter, who is entrusted with the crucial task of reuniting a splintered America, rekindling hope, and forging connections among the remnants of humanity. I assure you, it is not your typical post-apocalyptic, post-apocalyptic sci-fi kind of video game. It's out there. It's really out there. But, I mean, that said, I will not play the game. I'm not a big fan of it. A friend of mine played the whole way through, um, and he enjoyed it. But I can see where, it, if properly done, this could be a very good sci-fi slash horror movie. So we'll see what happens, and uh, you know, as I find out more, I'll let you know. Because that's what I'm supposed to do. Big fan. Once I possess the kung fu of every master villain, no one will dare question my power. Not even the great dragon warrior. Who's that? The most powerful shape-shifting sorceress, the chameleon. How do I find this, the chameleon? I'm gonna lead you right to her front door. Then we'll just have to get an army of our own. That is a little bit of the latest official trailer for Kung Fu Panda 4. If I need to explain Kung Fu Panda to you, um, I, <laughs> what, what is, what is there to say? Where have you been for the past several years? Anyway, Kung Fu Panda 4 comes out theatrically on March 8th. And you know very well that a link to the trailer is in the show notes. Those of you who are fans of the Creed franchise are going to be happy to know that, yes, Creed 4 is in the works, and yes, Michael B. Jordan is going to be back to direct it. We really don't have anything going on with it right now. Producer Irvin Winkler said, We are planning to do Creed 4 right now. We have a really good story and a really good plot. We got a little delayed because of the strikes, but about a year from now, we're going into pre-production. So we're talking in a year just to go into pre-production, so I would not expect this until late 25 or early 26. Apparently, there was a rumor mill going around that there was going to be a sequel to Jim Carrey's Grinch movie. However, a representative for Jim Carrey has said that is not happening, saying uh, there is no truth to Jim reprising his role as the Grinch in a sequel to The Grinch. In fact, he said in 2022 after Sonic the Hedgehog 2 that he was retiring from acting, after nearly four decades in the entertainment industry. Jim Carrey is 61. I think he's earned the right to a retirement if he wants. But of course, he left the door open saying that if the Angels bring some sort of script that's written in gold ink that says to me that it's going to be really important for people to see, I might continue down the road, but I'm taking a break. So if you heard that rumor and you got all excited about it, well, I'm afraid he just put the kibosh on that. So the horror movie Thanksgiving has, uh, it just came out on November 16th, but it's done well enough at $41 million globally that a sequel has already been announced. Now what makes this even more interesting is that Thanksgiving began as a fake trailer in the 2007 movie Grindhouse. But according to Eli Roth, for years people just kept posting that trailer and badgering me and guilt tripping me, and it worked. Shaming the director worked in this case. Okay, so we have no information on anything other than right now, Sony TriStar plans on releasing the sequel in 2025. So although unlikely, it's possible 
that you might see a subtle change in various Aardman animation movies in the future. Uh, not that there's anything bad going on, but I mean, Aardman is the movie, the sorry, the studio who made the Wallace and Gromit uh, shows, the movies, Chicken Run, including Chicken Run 2, which is now running on Netflix. Well, they're about to face a little bit of a crisis because, as you probably know from watching any of their movies, it's all stop motion, and they use, well, it's clay. It's clay stop motion. Well, apparently, Aardman is about to run out of the clay that they've been using for a few decades now. So the material is called Nuplast, and it's uh, supposedly easy to mold, keeps its shape under hot studio lights, but in March of this year, the only factory that made it had shut up, shut up its shop. So now its closure has been announced, and Aardman bought everything. Every last block of new plast that they made and was in their warehouse, Aardman bought up every last bit of it, just enough for one more film, which is going to be the new Wallace and Gromit movie for next year. But after that, that's it. Now, they have been known to use uh, silicone for their characters, but unless they can make, you know, unless they can find something equivalent to their new plast, future Aardman animation movies might look you know, subtly a little bit different. I mean, granted, that that's minor compared to the fact that they had a fire in their warehouse back in 2005. Oh my god, which I do remember covering for this podcast. Holy cow, I do remember covering that. Wow, I've been doing this show that long? That's... Wow, okay, anyway. <laughs> But yeah, the fire in their warehouse destroyed a whole bunch of things that were non-replaceable storyboards, models. But, I mean, to his credit, Wallace and Gromit creator Nick Park said back at the time that in light of other tragedies, today isn't a big deal. So I'm sure they'll find a replacement for their new plast, but as a longtime fan of Wallace and Gromit, I had the VHS tapes for all three of the original animations. What does that say? I just found that article interesting. I also mentioned on the previous podcast that an authentic C-3PO head was being sold uh, for auction. It was actually owned by Anthony Daniels. This head in particular was one of two uh, that were used for C-3PO costumes uh, to damage C-3PO costumes. And in this case, it was used for scenes where C-3PO, Mark Hamill, and R2-D2 were attacked by the Tusken Raiders. This one was also used in the trash compactor comlink scene and the final uh, metal ceremony from the original Star Wars. So as it stands, this is the only complete C-3PO helmet from the original Star Wars film that is currently in a private collection. So this one was expected to fetch uh, upwards of $1.2 million at auction, but unfortunately, it only sold for a paltry $843,051. I mean, pfft cheap cheap i mean had i known I, I would have bid on it so obviously that that is a far cry from the record setting lost x-wing from the original star wars that sold for 3.1 million dollars back in october and seeing as how we're at the end of the year that means two things happen a number of uh, various types of media are entering the public domain one of which might actually raise some eyebrows now, these are obviously for the United States. Different countries have different rules regarding how, uh, you know, how long a movie can stay out there until it enters public domain. But let's see, in this case, uh, The Passion of Joan of Arc is entering public domain. The Circus, which is directed and starred Charlie Chaplin. Street Angel, which was the first Academy Award for Best Actress given to Janet Gaynor. Uh, Lights of New York 
which is the first all-talking full-length feature film. The Man Who Laughs, starring Conrad, I hope I get this right, Veit, Veit, I don't know. Uh, apologies for that. But you know this one for sure, because this is the movie where a man ends up with a perpetual looking, you know, just kind of scary looking smile. And he is the one that the Joker was modeled after. The original uh, House at Pooh Corner that introduced Tigger is now going into public domain. Tarzan, Lord of the Jungle. The original German All Quiet on the Western Front uh, is going to there. A couple of songs that us older folks would probably know, I Want to Be Loved by You. Uh, Mac the Knife, at least the original German version. And Makin' Whoopi, they're entering public domain. And this is just a whole bunch of, of things. But the one that is the most surprising, because I never expected this to happen, the original Steamboat Willie, Walt Disney, is entering public domain. Now, keep in mind, a lot of us never expected this to happen because it was Disney who decided to fund uh, Sonny Bono and his Sonny Bono Copyright Extension Act about 20 years ago that made uh, copyright extended to the life of the author plus 75 years. So there's been a lot of concern for the last few years that Disney was going to be like, oh, oh, we can't lose Steamboat Willie, so we're going we're gonna to pay Congress, like they do, to push copyright out even farther so that they could hold on to Steamboat Willie. Well, apparently they, I don't know, maybe they just decided that by buying Fox they have enough. Well, right now, because they purchased Fox, they now own over 50% of all U.S. IPs when it comes to TVs and movies and so forth. Disney owns more than half, which is why that merger should not have been allowed to go through, but that, that's done and dusted. So maybe they've probably figured that they've got so much IP now, who cares if they lose Steamboat Willie? Plus, that means that Steamboat Willie has entered public domain, but you cannot simply use it for whatever you want because it is trademarked. Steamboat Willie is trademarked. So if you try to use Steamboat Willie as an icon for your own company or your own kind of property, yeah, Disney has the right to come down on you because that's their trademark. But as long as you don't try to say, hey, look, we have Steamboat Willie, we are Disney or whatever, then now you can use Steamboat Willie however you want. You cannot use other iterations of Mickey Mouse. So newer iterations of Mickey Mouse are still protected by copyright, but the original Steamboat Willie is going to be in public domain as of January 1st, which is something that I never thought that Disney would ever allow. And finally, what December also means is that it's time for the National Film Registry. This is managed by the, um, yeah, by the, the Library of Congress. So under the terms of the National Film Preservation Act, the librarian each year since 1989 has named 25 motion pictures to la or at, that are at least 10 years old that are culturally, historically, or aesthetically significant. There are now 875 films in the registry. And what happens is that when a movie is listed, the studio is supposed to provide a as clean of a copy as possible to the Library of Congress for preservation. So this year, I'm sure there are plenty here that you've heard of. Uh, Apollo 13, 1995 is going in. Uh, Bamboozled from 2000. Desperately Seeking Susan from 1985. Yes, the one starring Madonna. I'm, uh, okay. Edge of the City with Sidney Poitier, uh, 1957. 
Fame from 1980 is going in there. Home Alone is going in there. Disney's original 1955 Lady and the Tramp. Tim Burton's The Nightmare Before Christmas is going in there. Terminator 2 Judgment Day from 1991 and 2013's 12 Years a Slave. Now that's just like a, a list of some of them that are going in. The oldest one that's going in is called A Movie Trip Through Filmland in from 1921, which was actually done by Eastman Kodak. Yes, the film company. And this is an educational film about the production of motion picture film stock. So this is a short movie detailing every step of the film manufacturing process, including statistics on how much cotton, silver, and water is used to create the 147,000 miles of film stock that was produced in 1921. And why did my audio get a little bit quieter there? God damn it! Anyway, if you want to have a looky-looky at all of the movies that have been entered into the National Film Registry, of course, I will have a link to that in the show notes and a link to all of the content that is going to be entering public domain here in the U.S. as of January 1st. I still can't believe Steamboat Willie. Anyway, that's it. Another episode done. Another year done. This year has... This year has just flown past. Like, one thing I didn't need was the notification on, on my Twitter feed that Superman the movie is now 45 years old. I didn't need to hear that. I really did not. I don't need yet another reminder that I have fewer years ahead of me than I have behind. Thank you very much. So anyway, that's it. Hey, everyone, thank you for being here. I know that there are very few of you, uh, and I appreciate those of you who are still here. You know, I've said many times before, I don't do this for money. I pay monthly to have this podcast hosted and, you know, the time that I put into it. I do it for fun. I do it for you guys. I have no idea how many of you are out there. I don't bother to look at the statistics, but I know that there are still some of you out there, and I appreciate that. So for those of you who celebrate, I hope you have a good Christmas. And if you don't celebrate, well, I hope you have a good Monday. And for everybody, I hope you have a good New Year. Let's hope that next year will be better than this year, because there's a whole lot of room for improvement. This year had a lot of bad things go on in the world. Let's try to make next year a little bit better. So take care of yourselves, take care of each other, and see you next time. You thought I was going to say see you next year. Fool <laughs> you. I can pray and trick with a double tongue, but the only fool here is me. I choose the way to go, but the road won't set me free. Cause I wish you'd see me, baby. Save me, I'm going crazy. Try to keep us real. Keep us alive. This day we'll die tonight, and there ain't no exception. We shouldn't wait for nothing to wait for Love me in this fable, babe, my heart is in your hand Our time is waiting right outside your door And maybe A better day. This is the last widescreen.org podcast for 2023 and is released under the Creative Commons license. Some rights are reserved.
The widescreen podcast is a proud member of the Blueberry Network. That's blueberrynoeast.com. The music is by Poets of the Fall and is used with permission. Please visit their website at poetsofthefall.com. This has been for a long freaking time, apparently, a widescreen.org production. Back in my days, we didn't have any of these fancy schmancy podcast thingies.